Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. So, Eric, what's this past uh, week, half a week, been like for you since uh, <laughs> since all this shit happened last week? <laughs> I, know, I know you don't pay attention to, to news maybe as much as I do, but... Basically, absolutely nothing has changed in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still go to work. I still teach my music as meditation class. I still yeah. um, do stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess nothing about my kind of my day-to-day activities has, has super much changed for me but uh this is going to be this is going to be a rare case of us recording an episode the week it's released because usually we we record them at least like a few weeks if not a month in advance right yeah so so yeah so we're we're recording this on on january 11th which is the monday after the wednesday where the the capital got stormed and uh people have been throwing different different words around but but either either uh either like a, a an insurrection or a seditious conspiracy some kind of thing has has happened so trevor i have been living under a rock i have not been paying attention to what's happening can you give me the the rundown the cliff notes version of what's happened okay uh h- how long have you been under the rock for so all Oh, a long time <laughs> all i know is that like trump was like saying that his supporters should go storm the capital or like go there and do what you have to do and that then they like broke in and like the senators were hiding under the desks and stuff yeah so so okay so we we had this election back in november right mm-hmm. and even before that trump was saying that he was gonna challenge the results and that it was rigged and and everything and you know, didn't concede on election night, still hasn't conceded and keeps just pushing Republicans to at the very, very next chance, stop Biden from being sworn in as president. So, you know, whether through intimidating election officials in, in you know, certain states like Georgia or, you know, telling Mike Pence to just overturn the the states that that didn't elect him, he's he's been trying to so basically basically like a, a coup to get him to to stay in power and it all kind of came to a head this past wednesday when he he had this rally on the day that this pretty like run-of-the-mill kind of formal step of of electoral votes being certified in congress was happening and basically i mean so so the whole thing here is that it's, it's blurry whether he actually like how much he actually incited the the crowd of the rally to go do what they they did but he and Rudy Giuliani were using a lot of kind of like battle analogies and war analogies and in their in their speeches and and it was it you know they did say peaceful at some point but it was kind of like a cover your ass type thing where where yeah. the general um, I think the general intent was clear but but no matter no matter what they they said in the speech it was it was clear that that a lot of people came there with the the prior intent of of having some kind of of forced entry into the into the capitol building Mm. so they made it into the building and the guards were like holding them off with pistols or something like that um right well actually so this is part of it like the the capitol police i think i think the head of that 
that whole department resigned because there was some kind of like some officers were actually like helping helping them the break in a little bit or, or not you know not resisting as much as they mm. as they should have been hmm. yeah so, so a, lot, a lot of people are are drawing comparisons to, to all the all the protests against police brutality that happened this past summer and pointing out how how much more leniently the the police treated these these protesters at the capitol than they they treated the the hmm. protesters against police brutality back last year totally i think that, yeah. that seems to be a really valid observation yeah so so what happened af- after that so they broke in the senators are hiding on under the desk then what so i mean you know people were stealing things and vandalizing things and smearing shit like literal shit on things i heard Mm -hmm. and you know like five people died five people like like in the rioters or well i think uh i don't know if we know the full details yet but i think the last i heard like three people died from medical emergencies one officer died and then one uh one protester died of of uh i think a, a gunshot wound okay so yeah so serious shit (laughs) and and people were like you know they had they had like zip tie handcuffs and and they were actively chanting like hang mike pence hang mike pence that kind of thing Jeez. yeah yeah wow okay (laughs) so yeah kind of kind of crazy shit kind of crazy shit yeah so yeah this is kind of crazy all this stuff it's weird it's kind of scary what are the greater implications of it to you well i think i think like the the biggest implication is just that democracy is fragile you know and then we take Mm. this system that we have for granted because it's been here since way before we were born um sean carroll just did a really good good like solo podcast episode on this where he's just talking about democracy and and he was saying like, yeah, as long as the, as the system of government began before you were born, you're going to see it as like immutable and, mm-hmm. and something that's never going to change. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, almost all civilizations fall at some point and it's very possible it could happen to us. Totally. But I think, I think maybe, maybe the less slightly less grand implication is that our society is just so freaking fractured along ideological lines and and people have such like diametrically opposed beliefs that which have been as we'll get into later which have been definitely exacerbated by by the internet mm-hmm. and that that's just going to make it so much harder for us to to find any kind of like political equanimity or anything like that gotcha uh, but I, but I guess <laughs> so so like a third third implication for me personally, I was just thinking about you know all, all the the stuff we've been talking about these past few weeks with the with the intellectual dark web, mm. and uh, for for anyone that's listening, I think maybe I mentioned this already, but we we were we've been recording this series on the series of episodes on the intellectual dark web, which is this kind of centrist liberal mostly movement that sprung up in the last couple i guess last decade or so kind of focused around the ideas of of uh combating political correctness and kind of reigning in far left ideology that kind of thing and uh yeah it just seemed seemed 
tone deaf to to put all that stuff out there without kind of addressing what's happening right now because it, it's i think it's pretty pretty relevant mm. i think part of it is also is that since we started recording the series of episodes which i think now is like up to five or six maybe well we did two on the intellectual dark web and then one on jordan peterson and one on sam harris yeah i think the sam harris one turned into two though two part well. yeah 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 so so five and we, we might do an atheist atheism episode which is kinda <laughs> <laughs> maybe related um but yeah yeah my, my thinking on the whole thing has kind of been evolving as we've been doing it and i've been you know talking to to like close friends about it and uh yeah i, I think my my thinking has kind of evolved and so i think it would be good to kind of like have a have a preamble to this whole series totally where we kind of like look back on, on it and kind of go into if our thinking has changed at all yeah that's really cool um, so where would you see is the biggest connection between the current events uh, happening in the capital and uh, the intellectual dark web as we've discussed it? So, so like I said, a lot, a lot of people are, are comparing the, the police response to these, the, the, the riot that happened at the Capitol to the, the response that happened to the, the protests against police violence or police brutality that happened over the summer. Mm. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's tons of footage. You can go look it up of, of, of dealing, dealing pretty roughly with, with protesters over the summer and, you know, driving into crowds and, you know, and, you know, like, like I said, at the Capitol, like some officers were, were, well, for one, there, there wasn't just like, I mean, there have been, you know, pictures of, of the Capitol during the, the Black Lives Matter protests and then pictures during the, the events that happened last Wednesday and it's not even close, you know, to the level of, of like there, there was far more police presence during the, the protests last year, it seemed like. Mm. So you're saying that there's a definite imbalance when you look at the, the actual turnout, the actual footage of uh, left protests against police brutality versus uh, these right-wing extremist protests against whatever you want to go against democracy <laughs> yeah well against against joe biden's election i think is really what they're sure they're protesting yeah fair enough uh yeah and i do i i am kind of conscious i am kind of uh cautious about making comparisons because i don't think the two situations are necessarily totally parallel but but mm. i i do think it it points out a lot of Im- imbalances in the, in the way police forces is used why do, why do you think there's an imbalanced response? I mean, that's a good question. So I, I guess that the most obvious answer is that, you know, most of these, well, I, I mean, all, <laughs> they were all conservative. Most of them were white at this, at this protest last week. Mm. And just the fact that that's the, the, the group of people that, that were protesting, I think, you know, had a lot to do with it. Mm. Um, and then maybe, maybe the police were more sympathetic to that that viewpoint and also i mean the all the police brutality movement protests were were focused like specifically on the police as a as an entity so uh and and the the protests that happened last week were you know focused at the government which is i guess technically like kind of the same entity as the police in some way but you know not not like directly they have their own personalities their own sense of identity yeah 
And you think that maybe the the cops are more uh, conservative leaning. Maybe a lot of them share the same ideologies as the rioting crowd, so they kind of swept it under the rug a little bit. Yeah, maybe. So I mean, there, there's lots of conflicting reports, and you know, um, I don't know about swept under the rug, but you know, uh, I heard some police officers were were like letting people just kind of like opening doors for people and that kind of thing, which could mm-hmm. be. Um, I'll have to look that one up. Um, and you know, like I said, like uh, I think one officer died in the protests, and then I think another one committed suicide today. And they, they don't, you know, of course they don't really know the uh, circumstances behind that yet. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's yeah. I don't want to imply that you know the officers who were there didn't didn't suffer, or you know, a lot of them weren't were doing what they were supposed to be doing. But yeah, I mean, I think I think that the chief of the the Capitol Police resigned. Mm. So how does this apparent imbalance between the reaction against the Trump protests and the Black Lives Matter protests relate to the Coleman Hughes article that you shared with me during the Intellectual Dark Web episode? Yeah, so so one, one of the main things we talked about is this this article by, like you said, by, by Coleman Hughes, who's this uh, philosophy graduate from from columbia university um young black dude went to juilliard for trombone performance for a while and then and then kind of switched gears because i think juilliard was too conservative but but kind of the the thrust of the article is that it's possible that that we're being slightly misled about how prevalent police violence against unarmed black people is in the u.s as compared to police violence against unarmed white people Mm. and and Coleman Hughes isn't isn't I think most people wouldn't consider him technically part of the intellectual dark web, but he's he's running around in the same circles and, you know, doing interviews with all all the same people and, and uh like Brett Weinstein and, and Sam Harris and I think they've kind of like taken him under their wings. So so I, I guess I guess kind of my point is that on the whole I think I still stand by the article because it's pretty it hedges a lot of its bets, like it doesn't it it kind of qualifies a lot of things. And and when you actually look at it it's 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 pretty moderate and and i guess i guess kind of what kind of kind of what i worried about is is like why why are you making this like slight critique of of like why why are you choosing to use your time to make this like slight critique of the black lives matter movement when the article pretty much agrees that there's still a problem with police brutality in the US even if it's not translating into into like disproportionately high deaths of unarmed black people as opposed to unarmed white people mm. like why, why are you choosing to to you know talk so long about this slight little difference when there's obviously like huge huge problems with white supremacy and and fascism in the u.s and, and like and that kind of thing mm. well so what what would you say is the the truth of the article what is this perceived difference that he's drawing attention to well i think i think the main truth is we just actually don't know statistically if if this this idea that's kind of at the heart of the the movement against police brutality is true and and that's the idea that that if you're a black person in america that you're i think it's like twice as likely to be killed by the cops while unarmed something like that i think i think the so that i think the chances for for and i'm not forgetting if it's specifically men or or all genders or, or whatever but i think i think black men it's something like one in a thousand and for white men it's about one uh one in two thousand mm. um so i think you, you could argue that both those numbers are like way way too high 
but basically the, the argument is is if you adjust for for crime rates and and uh well not if you adjust for for number of interactions that those groups have with police like per interaction the the bias kinds the bias kind of goes away and it's actually that that on average per interaction white people unarmed white people are more likely to be killed by the cops and mm. and so so and part of the issue is 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 you know he he cites these four studies and and I think I, I followed the links the last time I or like the first time I found this article, but I, I followed the links again this this past week as I was thinking about all this stuff. And like one of them was literally retracted by the authors because they said it was getting cited way too often to make exactly this point that that Coleman Hughes is making that that police brutality isn't isn't as much of a problem. And then you know there there's I have been done like Reddit threads and stuff, but there's criticisms of him for you know only citing these four studies to prove his point and that you know in most in most social science that would that would be nowhere near sufficient mm. any other there's also you know science isn't perfect it's always being refined and he even he even says in the article that that you know he thinks they more studies need to be done on this kind of thing that's kind of like the standard tag on the end of every every paper isn't it? <laughs> every paper ever <laughs> <laughs> So do you think that it's actually harmful to be discussing uh, this fact that we maybe don't know as surely as we would like to think uh, that the imbalance exists or to what extent it exists? Yeah, so that's kind of what, what I've been thinking about and, and wrestling with, right? Like the, the question of do you even talk about this stuff or like what's the use of talking about it? And the way I, the way I see it, it, it basically breaks down into like four different categories of effect so like you could either persuade someone who's really radical left that there is actually like a debate to be had here like you don't have to just you know sign on to like the most radical ideas of of the anti-police brutality movement that there's there's some nuance and gray area there so like that's one effect right and i think that's like one of the effects that that coleman hughes is going for and one of the, the effects that the intellectual dark web tries to go for in general is, mm-hmm. is just kind of reining in the extreme left ultimately with the goal, I think of, of ultimately enacting more kind of liberal policies because they can, they can get them, they can get, you know, conservatives to, or, you know, centrists to compromise on them if they're not, they're not so uh, progressive. Right. If they're not so yeah, is progressive the right word or um... I think pro- progressive liberal progressive. Mm okay yeah so so that's so that's one category and then the other so another another category would be like persuade people who are are already kind of center left i know i'm using left and right which you you don't like (laughs) (laughs) uh for the sake of this just like i guess of course left versus right on on this particular issue um you know so another thing you could do is persuade people who are already center left that they're in the right spot and and you know maybe they don't they don't need to do as much on police brutality as 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 a lot of their friends would su- suggest right even even if they acknowledge it's a problem right and that that's kind of the effect that i that i worry about because i feel like that's maybe the effect it had on me mm. you know because I, I do as as coleman hughes says in his article like there's all, all these studies show you know people of color are way more likely to be roughed up by the police and and you know have excessive force used on them mm-hmm. like that's that's kind of not 
not even a question. So like that alone, it's like, you know, obviously this is important. So talking about the, the issue like this might just dissuade some people from who are, like I said, who are kind of center left from, from acting on it. Mm-hmm. And okay. So, so the other two, so like if they're center, right, it's going to maybe persuade them that there is something to be done about this issue. Like it's, you know, that the left isn't just crazy and, and that, there actually are compromises that can make, which, which again, I, I think is, is part of the goal of the, the IDW in general, but it could also, this is the fourth category. It could also make people who are really far conservative, like more entrenched in their beliefs. Mm. Right. Because they, they, they just see it as more justification for, for their belief that police brutality isn't a problem. Okay. So I guess my, my question is how, like in sharing this article and talking about it, how how much change is being done in each category <laughs> mm-hmm. you know yeah that's a, a a big question that yeah it would be really interesting to know the answer to <laughs> yeah i mean of course it's it's hard to change my, people's minds at all mm-hmm. yeah like if some rabid extremist who doesn't think that police brutality against minorities is a problem thinks that then aren't they still going to think that whether or not this article is out there (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know i mean i mean i I think kind of what this gets to is i i think the part part of convincing anyone through argument is admitting that they're at least some of what they think is right because no no one believes (laughs) almost no one believes like 100 percent bullshit that's not true right like there's there's usually some kernel of of truth there hmm and maybe if we're talking about like flat earthers, it's like a, it's like a lost cause. But <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think I think. Yeah, my hope is that some people would would be brought in by by the concessions that that Hughes makes in this article. Mm-hmm. So the way I, I look at this article, it seems to me valuable to have discussion and to cultivate a environment where different ideas can be shared and and expressed and if you have a, an environment that says hey we shouldn't talk about these sort of things it could be dangerous i think that is a less healthy sort of society even if some of the ideas are dangerous yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm sympathetic to that and and that is definitely kind of the stance of of a lot of these these IDW guys, but I think I think the question though is is like dangerous for who, mm-hmm. and and the whole idea of privilege is that the these discussions are not dangerous for us really. Like the, the danger isn't, you know, like for both of us, the level of of racism in, in U.S. society is is has like a very small effect, right? Mm-hmm. And the level, you know, whatever whatever dials end up getting changed in those four categories from us talking about it or anyone talking about it like our our lives are not the ones that are that are kind of in balance right mm-hmm. so yeah I, th- I think that's kind of the, the problem with that well what about uh what about coleman hughes would you say his life is as, as affected as some of the people who are more in danger of police brutality i mean yeah i don't i don't know all the details of his life but i mean 
he's like a mildly successful host of this podcast and went to like a you know columbia and i mean there's like some level of privilege privilege there right Mm. it's Mm -hmm. it's not white privilege obviously but you know the people who are really affected by this stuff are are you know tend to be people in the the poor poorer areas of cities where there's you know there's more crime and there's more police presence Mm -hmm. so now this is just a totally uneducated idea i have not done research so i don't know if this is true but i just want to propose to you the idea that Maybe police brutality is biased against poverty, against people with lesser means. And as African-Americans are more likely to be, are more likely to be disproportionately lower income, then they, uh, it, it would follow that they are more likely to be in danger. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, you could maybe make like a correlation versus causation argument there, because mm. it's it's hard to it's hard to know which one is really, you know, which one is really causing, which I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I guess it's it's possible that that systemic racism is causing both the the poverty and the increased police presence, but the two aren't related directly. If that right. makes sense. Totally, but. Yeah, there is there is some kind of connection there, because um, because like I said, the the a lot of the, the thrust of this argument that that Hughes makes is that the the high crime areas are the the poor areas, and those have to ha- tend to have a, a disproportionately larger uh, black and minority population. Mm. If you're finding this podcast valuable so far, we'd really appreciate if you consider supporting it somehow. You can follow us on social media, on Instagram or Facebook. You can also go follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a good rating there if you're on a platform that supports that. Also, please be aware that we are just a bunch of artists and musicians who like to talk about subjects that are sometimes slightly beyond our wheelhouse. If we say anything that's inaccurate or just flat out wrong, please send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and let us know what we missed. Thanks for listening. Do you want to sort of start to transition toward the uh, conspiracy theory sort of side of things? Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe this is a good good chance for us to to get into the other part of what we're going to talk about today, which is is conspiracies and and conspiracy theories in general. And I think the reason I I kind of started to think about that is I wondered if I was kind of falling into one of those as 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 part of the intellectual dark web experience because I feel like the whole thing is kind of like conspiracy theory light like like it has the whole like everyone around you is a sheep (laughs) and they're just doing what the rest of the people are doing and you with your big rational brain can uh you can choose your own way and and not listen to everyone else and and Mm. it it does kind of you know what i mean 
Yeah, I, I can see there's a connection there. Yeah. So you shared with me this podcast by Big Brains. Big Brains. Big Brains. <laughs> um, you, but you, University of Chicago, right? It's like yeah. the channel, I guess. Yeah. And so they uh so so would you say so their sort of drive is they start by creating a dichotomy of rational people versus intuitive people how do you feel about that i mean you know all, all dichotomies break down at some point but i thought i thought it was i thought it was a good good distinction and you know probably for most people they have a little bit of both Right, or they're they're capable of thinking in both ways, but they they might think in a rationalist way in a certain situation and a intuitionist way in another. So, what would be an example of a rational way of thinking versus an intuitive way? Okay, so so an example of of intuitionist thinking is kind of this this idea of of purity that exists within a lot of religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I they did this study that I'm. I'm not going to remember the exact details of, but it was, it was like, uh, they asked people, would you rather stab this picture of your family five times or put your hand in a bowl of cockroaches? Mm-hmm. Right. And most people, uh, a surprisingly, a surprisingly large number of people will choose the, the cockroaches because the, the idea of, you know, doing that to a picture of their family is just so seems so wrong, even though, you know, it's, it's just a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually, I kind of take issue with uh, the way they presented this this idea. Um, I totally see what they're getting at, that some people uh, maybe make decisions based on symbolism that doesn't correlate to what rational, what, what, what follows rationally. But I really take issue with their supposition that the only rational explanation is the one that they thought of and then that's what being rational is and that any other sort of explanation is clearly irrational for example Mm -hmm. in in this one with the picture i thought that that, there's a really uh kind of obtuse breakdown uh and no offense against you this is (laughs) for having shared this (laughs) example um, because this is a perfect example, I think, that really highlights the the drive of their idea here. <clears throat> now, I think the way, because c- c- if you look at it, the way this breaks down, so they have, on one hand, you could put your hand in a bowl of cockroaches, which would be an unpleasant experience. On the other hand, you could stab a picture of a family member. Now, their thinking is, oh, well, clearly nothing directly bad will happen from stabbing a picture of your family. It's just a picture after all. Therefore, one should do that rather than enduring minor discomfort for a little bit. But it, I think that completely fails to take into consideration some of the more indirect implications of stabbing a picture of your family member. For example, maybe that has a psychological effect on you. Maybe part of your psychology is built around you have these guards within yourself where uh, to stab a picture or to, to stab an image of your family, maybe that triggers you in certain ways that causes profound internal distress. And so even if you're stabbing a picture of a family member 
while you're not actually harming the family member, you're still punching through that barrier that you've built within yourself to protect yourself. And so that may be more harmful in the long run. Therefore, it would be rational to not do that. <laughs> I guess I guess I see your point because the cockroaches thing is gross, but then it's over and there's no way that's going to like affect you. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it'll, you know, be like an unpleasant memory, but it's not going to be like this this psychological thing that festers and and messes you up like 10 years later yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's really interesting i hadn't i hadn't thought about that um (laughs) and all the other examples they gave was that were those like do you have like similar feelings about i do have similar feelings i think maybe some of them are more helpful than others but i think for the most part all of the examples they give fall into the same sort of I want to say arrogant supposition that their interpretation of what is logical, which is what, you know, like the first logical chain that they've observed, they assume that that's the only one and the right one and that everything other than that is illogical. Yeah, they're they're kind of making an assumption that their own judgment is, is super objective. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he goes on then, or... I guess they go on and they extend the assumption that the people who are prone to believe in conspiracy theories are irrational because they do what they consider to be the uh, intuitive thinking. Right, right. They'll they'll just like see something that resonates with them as true and then believe it just based on that rather than like digging into all the details. Totally. Right? Yeah. So, I don't know, what do you think about that? I mean, I I I think I think they have a point and and I think that the the other article we were looking at internet fuels conspiracy theories. Oh yeah. So this art the this other article we were looking at um on the the conversation website talked a lot about how once people have these kind of intuitive feelings that a certain idea is right Mm. like oh it would make sense if there was this like shadowy person called q like working within the like the the deep state or whatever to to control everything like that that does make a little bit of sense and then they star trek (laughs) q yeah uh i'm i'm there's there's a guy called the q who's just like this interdimensional immortal guy and he just shows up and screws with everything it's possible if it's a reference <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like they, they have this intuition that like oh that makes so many things make sense and like everything kind of seems like it clicks into place and mm. then they they're able to join these online communities now where where it's just kind of an echo chamber and they get they only get reinforced and not um these beliefs only get reinforced and not challenged yeah right they sort of tune out anything that disagrees with them right no i think i think you're right i think there there is definitely a point to be made here um it seems pretty clear that this is something that people do and probably quite a quite a number of people do Uh, Mm -hmm. my only contention with this assumption in the article is they present it as if Anyone who believes in a conspiracy theory 
is doing this, is being irrational and, uh, and being the opposite pole of rational, which they put forward as being intuitional. Yeah, yeah. And there, there are definitely some quote-unquote conspiracy theories that turn out to be true, right? It's not that all conspiracy mm-hmm. theories are false. Definitely. <laughs> um, which is part, part of the problem. Yeah, if only there weren't those conspiracies, <laughs> then we'd all be peachy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but, so okay, so uh, maybe, yeah, maybe we should say I mentioned QAnon briefly, but maybe we should say how that that explicitly ties into the the insurrection thing that happened last week. Sure, please. So, QAnon is this this I guess you'd call it far right movement that grew up in these last few years after the whole uh pizzagate scandal if if people remember that <laughs> pizzagate what what's that yeah oh you don't know about that okay um so this was like i think during the hillary clinton election and there was some pizza place in i think dc maybe somewhere else but there was this conspiracy theory that it was like the front for a pedophilia ring and mm-hmm. that it was orchestrated by all the big democratic names and there's some other way crazier stuff involved that i'm i'm forgetting about but that that was like the the gist of it and somehow out out of that oh i think yeah cannibalism there's cannibalism in there somewhere what (laughs) (laughs) is this fact or just a conspiracy oh it's a conspiracy (laughs) yeah um although i think i'm trying to remember i think in pizzagate like someone actually died though like it was again like real shit so this all kind of happened around wikileaks releasing the the emails of of john podesta who is hillary clinton's uh campaign manager and this is back in in 2016 during that that election and so people who subscribe to this conspiracy theory were saying that you could find in those emails coded messages saying that there were a bunch of, you know, high-ranking Democratic Party officials that were involved in this this uh, sex ring that I mentioned. Mm. And, and yeah, and, and also along with that, that this, this pizza place in D.C. was involved. Mm. And so this this all kind of spun out on, on 4chan and, and 8chan and kind of uh, devolved into this, this QAnon thing. QAnon also accuses de- a bunch of high-ranking democrats as being involved in this this cannibalistic uh pedophile cult and so that the, the extra the extra thing with QAnon is that there's this individual named q that's inside the the government or the the deep state i guess some people would say and that's sending these coded messages to people and co- coded and non-coded because there actually is someone on on 4chan and 8chan who who is claiming to be this person and so, so yeah, they're keeping these predictions of what will happen, and you know, stay calm because Trump's Trump's going to remain in office somehow. Like, you know, I'm I'm affecting things in the right way. You you just need to do what I tell you to do. That kind of thing. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, so so this sort of uh, self confirmation bias mentality is the same sort of driving force behind why a lot of people are so vehement about trying to support trump in this coup yeah i think i think i I read somewhere like 
the this whole insurrection thing wasn't entirely QAnon, but it wouldn't have happened without QAnon. Like it was kind of an essential, mm. an essential part of it. What made it made it like light off in the way that it did. Wow, interesting. So yeah, I think it's totally valid that this is a thing that's happening. Um, so going back to that Big Brains article, I just want to sort of put forward another idea that I think they kind of don't acknowledge. Um, so in making the assumption that people who believe in conspiracy theories are are reacting in this sort of impulsive way, I think they entirely fail to recognize uh, that there there are different sorts of camps. There's different sorts of approaches to uh, quote-unquote believing in conspiracy theories. So for one, there's the people who, you know, believe based on their emotion and, uh, and try to find an explanation for why they feel a certain way and then uh, will believe anything that supports that or that whatever explanation seems like that they feel like (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. totally totally seems like that's the thing that happens but there's also people who might believe things someone would consider to be a conspiracy theory on the grounds that they're doing research they're learning about the world and they have received information their trusted information sources are different from the mainstream or from other groups right right and that's that's kind of where i end up with the the idw people is like is is this like this isolated group of people who are kind of in an echo chamber or or is it just like a a like different group of experts that kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah it's so hard to tell like what's what's object who who can you trust right who's yeah yeah. sources of information are valid and who has an ulterior motive or no motive at all just a uh, lack of forethought right right i think we we talked about this at some point there <laughs> we will talk about this at some point in this, <laughs> these, <laughs> the, these future episodes but um just about the idea of that at some level you have to trust authority to tell you what to believe like no matter what especially when when science is involved because unless you're a scientist you kind of have to trust scientists Mm. to interpret the data for you and tell you what the implications are yeah right like that's the point of specialization exactly yeah totally and then the question is like who do you choose to believe and you can rationally choose to believe completely different sources you know based entirely on logic and come to wildly different conclusions about why the world is shaped the way it is or how the world is shaped yeah yeah exactly so i i think to completely discredit anyone who doesn't believe in the mainstream narrative is uh an oversight yeah totally and i'm sure almost everyone has some kind of belief that they think you know most of my friends are wrong about this but i'm right Mm -hmm. that kind of thing Totally. Like I'm sure most people have one of those, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, even if it's not friend groups, but just like you know, in, in the country, like or in the world, yeah, the the majority, the majority opinion isn't always the the right one. Totally, it's definitely true, right? 
And so, yeah, and so I just want to present, so there's one more category that I see that is also not being recognized in this Big Brains podcast, which is that it's kind of possible to walk the fence. You know, you, you can say, look at all these differing information sources. There are some that may seem more trustworthy to me than others, but I don't know what's what really. So uh, it's possible then to recognize that there are many different explanations that are possible, are plausible, even some of the more outlandish ones, or even some of the more conspiratorial ones, could potentially be viable, and to recognize that it's a possibility. Um, now, you can do this on a completely blank slate, sort of, like, oh, I don't know, could be could be the earth is flat, I don't know, could be, uh, could be whatever. So I think once you recognize this, that you can't really trust any sources of information 100%, and you sort of have to pick and choose which sources you are going to think are more plausible than others, now, now you have to choose, right? And, and you could come at this with an entirely open mind, you could say, that so long as there aren't any logical fallacies in or contradictions in any particular source of information or stance, then you can conceive it as a possibility and say, hey, the jury's out, that might be true. Now, I think it's also possible to be rational. I think it's possible for a rational mind to formulate a model of the world to help us predict likely causes of current situations intuitively without relying on data sources that are almost certainly incomplete and inaccurate, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, there, yeah there's, there's just so much that we don't know that we have to be open to, to things being true that, that would just seem totally outlandish and crazy right now. Yeah, totally. And I think that uh, actually one really valuable place that we can learn about how the world is shaped today is by looking historically and seeing what are some of the moving forces that have often been present in political structures in the past. Mm -hmm. Like what would some examples be? So for example, historically... Uh, Jewish people who lived in both Christian and Muslim communities were a minority within within the group, and 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 they were discriminated against pretty consistently throughout the last several thousand years. Uh, right, right. Um, you know, there were stereotypes about them that they were rich, controlling inhuman things and so you know there's a lot of racial tension throughout history in communities um, between jews and christians or jews and muslims mm -hmm. now something that the ruling bodies would do very frequently is to indulge that sort of bias and and racism and sanction 
violence against the Jews as a way to divert energy or divert attention from themselves as being the true cause of why the people, I don't know, don't have enough food, for example. Mm-hmm. And so this sort of yeah. cold-hearted Machiavellian sort of maneuver where they're allowing people to become inflamed and do horrendous violence against an innocent minority is historically pretty commonplace in any ruling body. Mm -hmm. So then if we look today at many situations and we have a ruling body, we might say that they are as likely to do something as immoral as that, and so it's probably not safe to trust them as, you know, looking out for our backs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and in the U.S., the I think the obvious example to go to is, is slavery, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how the, the effects of that, I, it, like, I mean, the Civil War ended, what would that be now? Like... 140 years ago no 100 150 anyway it's like the effects are are still echoing because like immediately following that was was reconstruction and jim crow and then that kind of mm. persisted all the way until the 60s right and that's when like the the conservative movement in the u.s kind of started like in opposition to to you know these protests for for you know equal rights mm. Yeah, I think I think that's a totally valid yeah. observation. Mm-hmm. And another thing that really stands out to me is the whole Epstein thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah, I, I mean that's that's an example of of something that that was labeled a conspiracy, but like was true, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah it's like, not that these like yeah these sex rings don't exist. It's that you know they're they're probably looking for them in the wrong places with the whole. QAnon thing I mean who's to say though right (laughs) yeah yeah maybe maybe they are maybe I mean it is the rich and powerful who are involved in these sex rings right it's you know yeah the people I don't want to name because I am just a a humble uh proletariat and don't (laughs) uh want to have my life ruined by some rich lawyer (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I guess one thing I wanted to to mention on the on this this video and, and the whole rationality versus intuitionist thing, I do wonder if even though all these IDW guys are, I mean, they make such a big deal about you know being free thinkers and thinking rationally and thinking for themselves, but I I kind of wonder if quote unquote thinking for yourself implies some kind of use of intuition right like isn't Mm. what that means like (laughs) you you think something is right because you have a gut feeling yeah (laughs) totally that you know (laughs) what you know whether it's it could be you know based on evidence that you've seen but it's still like that's still your gut right you're so spot on (laughs) does doesn't this go right back to our discussion about terence mckenna and his views on intuition yeah, yeah, uh, remind me though. Yeah, so he, he was talking about intuition and he kind of pointed out that in the West we have a perception of intuition as being 
weak and feminine and irrational and yet he points out how it's a very important aspect of mathematical thinking of of developing new branches of math and uh, that intuition can work in conjunction with logic yeah yeah because you have to have these leaps that you can't quite explain because no one else has explained them before totally right it has to it just has to like click for you and pop into your head yeah yeah and that there's a place for logic in that mm-hmm. and so and, and that that's that's one of the things that kind of grinded my gears about the big brains is that they have this dichotomy right rational versus irrational and it kind of fails to take into account that uh, or sorry no their their spectrum is irrational is rational versus intuitive which they sort of use as a proxy to mean irrational mm-hmm. and they don't recognize that intuitiveness can be entirely uh used in conjunction with rationality yeah and yeah like i i kind of said intuition is inward and trusting your gut and i think the more i think about it I, I think the more rationality has to do with with social and intellectual interaction with other people because that's how you ultimately get to what we we would consider rational right like it's objective mm-hmm. and the only way you can do that is by like talking to other people and right. and agreeing what is rational because that's what it means to be rational it means that you know everyone can kind of like i guess it means like following the rules of logic but the idea of something being rational is that it's like objectively true and in a sense it's verifiable right anyone can look at the facts and if the conclusion is true then if you follow logic then you will come to that conclusion Mm -hmm. so i would i would posit that it's more rational to recognize the limitations of one's own knowledge and to entertain the possibility of multiple explanations rather than to assume the most direct answer is the correct one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's always good to be to be skeptical. Yeah, skeptical but like the... open-minded skeptical, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is it was really hard to do, especially when when the issues get really like close to home and and charged and and personal, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, why do they get so? I mean, I guess in certain situations where like it directly affects your life, it uh, would make sense that it would be personal. But do you think a lot of people who buy into various conspiracy theories, uh, why do you think it feels to them as if it directly affects their lives? Uh, I guess it depends on the conspiracy theory. Mm. I mean, in the QAnon case i think you know they're worried that this this satanic cult is going to like take over the u.s if they don't do something i guess would be the so they feel that their livelihood is threatened their security is threatened yeah trump is like this authoritarian figure that they've latched on to i think Mm. that has a lot to do with it which Mm. is it's really it's really fucking scary how how enamored people are with him like the way they just kind of go along with whatever he says and and mm, yeah know, like like his the level of his his charisma is apparently insane for 
for like a subset of people. I, I yeah, I wonder if maybe it's just that you know there's a problem in the U.S. and Trump is aware of it and comes along at the right moment to say, "Hi, I'm the solution to the problem. I recognize that there is a problem." And I mean, it's kind of like par for the course for that. Like that's what politicians do, and a lot of people buy into it. They say, "Hey." This guy's the solution to all the problems that we're having. Let's trust him. Because sometimes the majority group is wrong. But then, mm-hmm. and that's totally true. And then how do you tell the difference between when you're in the minority that's right and when you're just making things up? <laughs> right, right. Because in general, like, rationality is is something that the, the majority can agree on by definition so it's going to have to be like debated and, and worked out and between like different different people it's not going to you know magically spring into someone's mm-hmm. head well i think one of the things we've learned from from today from our discussion is that what one person can assume is rational is not always the most rational and generally you know the most direct assumption isn't necessarily the most rational assumption. Yeah, yeah, we we could talk about the definition of rational, and and I'm certain oh, we'll, we'll we'll get into critical theory in the next uh, string of episodes. Uh, rest <laughs> assured, but uh, that's that's rationality is one of the things I think people will will criticize as part of that as being a very at least the, the way it's used, it's it's a very like Western mm. construction. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting because I've definitely had heated discussions with people who are very opposed to logic, um, to rationality as being the central organizing principle for your for your mind and your political stances, and this is totally a kind of a frustrating discussion to have as someone who uh, puts my faith in the power of rationality and logic. Uh, but, you know, the more I have those discussions and the more we have this discussion, I'm starting to come to recognize the shortcomings of what people refer to as rationality and that maybe like people who assume that the most direct, most obvious thing is the truth are giving rationality a bad name. So yeah, so for for all our listeners who uh, listen to the ends of the episodes, (laughs) (laughs) thanks for uh, sticking with us. And uh, just, just know to take everything we talk about for these next few episodes or so, take it, take it with like a, a, a large grain of salt. A large salt crystal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I thought would be fun, if you like, uh, we could throw it in anywhere, or you know, if it doesn't fit, that's fine too. But we could maybe just real quick run down a list of conspiracy theories and just like say how uh, reasonable or or how likely you think we think they are. Okay. Yeah. No, I have a list too. <laughs> cool. I I didn't actually write down a list, so maybe we'll go down your list. Okay, so yeah, so I mean, the first one I could think of is is uh, anti vaxxers Ooh, fuck! Oh man, that 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 hits hard. 
<laughs> yeah, does that kind of does that hit close to home? <laughs> Very close to home. When I was a kid, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't vaccinated. Um, oh yeah. shit! Um, was that like part of the Christian Science thing? In part, but also you know buying into the hype. And even today, I don't know who to trust. I I mean I I it's I've seen a huge majority of the evidence will say specifically that the vaccines cause autism thing is total bullshit and that was just one guy making shit up like that's like wildly the consensus and so that seems pretty likely to me that that's true on the other hand we do know that vaccines can have side effects that uh you know are many and varied and not beneficial (laughs) yeah just just look at some of the stuff from for like the the covid vaccines that are being developed yeah wait sir are you not are you not vaccinated for for anything i did later get some vaccines in my adult life yeah right like we have to get the meningitis one for school right no i honestly don't remember (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know there is the uh I'm forgetting the specific disease, but but a lot of uh, like vaccine trials have been done on on African Americans. So there's like a there's like a history there of 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 some some like bad things that did happen. So I know I know a lot of uh, a lot of African Americans are, are skeptical of of vaccines kind of in general. So like there is there is some kind of basis for Definitely. it, but it can go. I mean, like did 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 you hear the whole like coronavirus 5g uh conspiracy theory (laughs) no what's that uh i'm not gonna be able to remember exactly what the details are something with 5g being connected with like nano robots to coronavirus and there was this like (laughs) picture that was going around of like a circuit diagram of one of these things and it was like from some metal guitar pedal or something (laughs) (laughs) brilliant i love this totally verifiably false yeah look into it and see it's not (laughs) wonderful that that we can give that a bunk label yeah okay how about 5g causes cancer a lot I'm I'm gonna say yeah, not not plausible at all on that one. Really? Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's radio waves, right? Um, now is it is it radio waves or is it by that point? I'm pretty sure microwaves are used at least for four G, um, or for 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 wireless for wireless data microwaves, which are you know uh, faster uh, frequency and. We actually there is as far as I am aware, there's actually pretty robust data showing that microwaves can cause you know cancer and birth defects and things like that. And when you expose yourself to very large doses of it, then you're in- increasing that risk. Interesting. Yeah. On- honestly, I don't know anything about yeah how how four G or five G works. So um, I could be wrong there, but. Yeah, and I guess that is the thing someone could potentially do a study on. Yeah, yeah, I guess, and try to get an answer. Mm-hmm. And you know, from, be, from what I've from what I've researched in the past, you know, from pretty mainstream sources, even you know, it's confirmed that the radio signals, or rather, microwave signals emitted by 
your wireless devices can cause cancer and uh and and you know that's why they have the warnings like don't hold it next to your head for very long <laughs> things like that uh-huh like they, they have to put those warnings in there because it's actually a a, a real verified thing it's just that in, in current doses you know you have to be a, f- a heavy phone user in order to get the kind of exposure that puts you at risk for the most part yeah wow that's really interesting mm-hmm. i'll have to i'll have to look into that more now i i, I always dismiss that one <laughs> but yeah yeah no, I, I give that a totally plausible or if even a probable <laughs> <laughs> okay uh how about 9 9-11 was an inside job yeah like some level of like bush knew beforehand all the way up to like it's an inside job completely um somewhere on that spectrum i think is a is definitely a a very plausible Mm -hmm. i make no assertions one way or the other i simply don't know and there's so many contradictory data yeah i'm kind of yeah i'm kind of 50 50 on it too (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean we do know that the bush administration you know, someone in the Bush administration, and quite possibly it had to have been Bush himself, according to some sources, flew uh, many members of the Saudi and bin Laden families out of the country, you know, like a day or two, two days after 9-11, when all the flights were grounded, mm-hmm. with no questions asked sort of deal, including uh, uh, two dozen members of the bin Laden family, so... Wow, that's that's wild. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, f- flat Earth. We have to talk about flat Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What What do you think about flat Earth? Oh, I think it's very, very likely true. <laughs> Definitely, I'm I'm convinced. <laughs> I've seen a lot. I, you know, I was skeptical, but then I saw a lot of YouTube videos about yeah, it. Yeah, those pictures. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things I kind of love about actually about flat earth is they're so committed to and and to the point where they're going into actual interesting math to try to verify and you know you'll have the thing like well you know if you set up a pole on this point on the earth you expect the shadow to be falling a certain way uh-huh. um, or two poles uh, you expect the shadow to be falling a certain way if it's a sphere um, and to fall different ways if it's flat. But what's so interesting is they've found like the place where it's true for both <laughs> and say, ah, there, see, it's true for, for the, you, you can set them up so that if you set them up this particular way, then uh, these sh- shadows fall as you would expect them to on a flat surface. Mm-hmm. Therefore, aha, it's true. <laughs> I love it. There's so much uh, stick to itiveness. <laughs> yeah, they have an explanation for for pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. It seems like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites was um, they were trying to prove that the Earth is smaller than people say it is, and so they they were doing that. Uh, airplanes actually travel way slower than we think they do, mm-hmm. and so he he demonstrates this by. Uh, having his his brother in the car 
driving driving next to a runway at like you know 40 50 miles an hour and uh the car is in the foreground and the plane is far in the background and they have them driving uh and you know it basically matches like the the movement of the car across the screen is at the same speed as the plane across the screen. They're like, ah, see, it's the same speed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. Uh, climate change. <laughs> Fake, faking gay. <laughs> the earth isn't dying. We're not all doomed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't agree with you on that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we had nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. Yeah. It's totally natural. Um, For those of you who aren't sure, we're joking on that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. We, we should finish this with this one. Uh, moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, what, what do you think? What have you heard? Uh, I, I would say, I mean, I feel, I feel like there's like a 2% chance that it's right. <laughs> like i could <laughs> i could see i could see the appeal of it from like the, U- the us's government the the us government's eyes at the time you know um mm-hmm. and then the, the uh but you know there, there's there's explanations for for everything and and yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna walk back that two percent number <laughs> <laughs> probably um mm-hmm. yeah i remember i think there was some anecdote where Buzz Aldrin uh, met uh, like a uh, moon landing denier or whatever, and he just like punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I could s- totally believe that the government would do something like faking the moon landing it seems to me you know as i agree it's very improbable that that's what actually happened mm-hmm. you know if you look at the actual data and evidence put forward by the conspiracy theorists uh, it's quite possible to um, refute them although, although they're pretty interesting explorations and, you know this is actually one thing that I think Mythbusters actually did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Episode on this, they, they kind of go into the details of like how the exposure is a certain way, how the how the sky isn't uh, showing up in the way you might expect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I said we were going to finish with that one, but we have to talk about aliens because that's like the biggest one. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. <laughs> aliens. What about them? Well. Okay. Yeah. So. I guess the conspiracy is that they're here and the government is keeping them a secret or like they've had, we've had contact or we've, we've found like crashed spacecraft or, or alien bodies and whatever. And, and some, some, some version of the government knows about aliens that have visited the earth and they're keeping it from us. Hmm. What do you think? 
I okay. Well, so I I you know I, I kind of dismissed the whole UFO thing for a long time, mm. um, and then I forget. I'm gonna forget this guy's name. There's like this Navy test pilot who's been doing all the rounds on on like you know Joe Rogan podcast and Lex Friedman's podcast and uh, giving a lot of interviews about this phenomenon that he and like I don't know three or four other people he was with when they were flying these planes out on the west coast uh saw so they saw these objects that like you know coming from people who have been around aircraft like their entire career like behaved like nothing they'd ever seen before and was just you know Mm -hmm. dropping ridiculous you know accelerating weird ways and and you know like dropping really fast in altitude and and you know, like kind of just disappearing and it's on it's on a video too you know it's it's always like kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. grainy but um yeah uh but yeah like multiple sightings by multiple people and i think what the government did either uh some sometime in the last few years or so they like uh acknowledged that these recordings were real and they're like yeah we don't know what these are hmm um, do you, do you have a source on that? Yeah, the, the, I'll, I'll, the I'll find it. Acknowledge that. I'll find okay. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I forget the, the dude's name, but, um, yeah. So, and then the other, the other thing that, that, um, that maybe kind of consider it more is, uh, in, in the, like one of the popular explanations is, is that these sightings, uh, started happening after world war two. And when we used the uh, nuclear weapon for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and it just hit me like, wow, yeah, if I was a extraterrestrial civilization, this is, that is exactly the moment I would start paying attention <laughs> to what's going on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, mm. and sorry that, I mean, yeah, that sounds pretty, uh, that sounds pretty plausible to me, although I don't, you know, uh, that, that part of it, at least I would, I would say like. Yeah, I don't know. Probably fifty-fifty, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> wow, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, totally. It, it's not something I can refute in the slightest bit. It's, you know, I I see no reason why that couldn't possibly be how things are. Um, yeah. The one thing I would say is I I would have extreme skepticism in absolutely any particular case where someone claims affirmatively to have evidence or to have seen a UFO because you know, it's so there's so much motivation. There's uh, so there's so much motive to fake that sort of thing. Like it's kind of the stereotypical thing to fake for attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's there's speculation that that uh some alien abduction stories might be like dmt related somehow mm. yeah or like psychological yeah. experiences yeah um i, I guess uh so I, I i guess i'm 50 50 on like aliens somehow i'm 50 50 on on aliens already having visited earth in some mm. in some sense or whether it's you know technology or whatever and i guess i'm 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 more skeptical that the u.s government could keep that a secret for so long because like mm. that's that's the thing with conspiracy theories right like they like to not get discovered like so many people have to keep 
quiet. Yeah. And they're like in an organization, like, you know, as huge as the US government, like any, you know, not one person could leak out. Um, that would be really hard to do. Although, you know, the other thing people will say is, is well, people do leak out, but there's this like culture of, of just dismissing anything that they say is as crazy. Like, I think there's at least a couple people who like formerly worked with the military or, or in the government that have like said some things about aliens, but there it's, uh, I think it, it, it tends to get dismissed pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even someone working in the military or the government is capable of having a psychotic break or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you never know. (laughs) (laughs) I want to believe. (laughs) I mean, it's also possible that like they're here and they're so, insanely different than us that like they're all around us and we don't know they're there you know they're like nanobots in the air or something or huh. or you know they're like part of uh they're somehow like inhabiting subatomic space itself or something crazy like that <laughs> like right yeah it's, yeah it's <laughs> fascinating <laughs> lizard people Lizard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ho- hollow Earth slash lizard people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, I'm with you. Um. There. I feel like there's a a surprising kernel of truth in this one, which is just that historically through our monarchical societies the the monarchy the aristocracy interbreed with themselves at the exclusion of the peasantry and over time that comes into having significant genetic differences almost to the point well probably not to the point but you know approaching toward the general direction of the point that they are a different breed of humans or a different species of, of creature than we are. Wow. That's like a a really charitable (laughs) 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 opinion of the lizard people. (laughs) But yeah, because it is supposed to be like the ruling class, right? Like the ruling class is all secretly lizard people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have any flies, Trevor? (laughs) <laughs> I have a hankering for some flies. <laughs> okay, don't don't do ever do that voice again. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you starting to realize that I am? Oh, what? Nothing. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Join us next time on Post. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I have no idea. 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 I